Good afternoon, everyone. It's so sunny outside. It's beautiful. I'm actually recording this episode tucked up in my bed. And uh, I had had the sun streaming in through the windows, but it's school pickup time and it's quite noisy outside. So uh, I've closed the curtains and there's just this beam of sunlight coming in between the cracks in the curtains. And it's beautiful. It's so lovely to have some nice weather. And it generally makes everyone feel happier. Uh, so it's weird that I'm recording this episode now, but I really wanted to tackle the subject of mental health. And I know some of my other podcast episodes, it's kind of weaved in and out of it, but I wanted to do one just talking about mental health. It was Mental Health Awareness Week last week. And I've got a lot of people around me at the moment who are battling with mental health stuff, uh, including one individual, and I'm not going to mention their name or gender, who had had been listening to some of my podcast episodes and watched an IT, IGTV little video that I did. And this person messaged me on Instagram and said, because of you, Bridget, I called the Samaritans tonight. And it always astonishes me how people find my podcast or find my stuff on Instagram, but they do. And it just, I don't know, it just really reaffirmed why I'm doing what I'm doing. So if you are listening to this podcast episode, this is also for you. And I really wanted to talk about mental health because we tend to see when it's Awareness Week or just social media um, quotes and memes that we see tend to all be quite similar. And I really wanted to, to come on this episode today and talk about both the fact that I have overcome mental health problems. When I say overcome, I mean, it's always there. It's lying dormant and it has it has done for a while. But I have been in situations where I've had great bouts of very, very poor mental health. And I'm now on much more of a level playing field. And I think one of the reasons I'm on more of a level playing field is because I've really delved deep into the root cause of my depression, my anxiety. But it's become really, really apparent to me that as women, we are excelling in so many different fields now. We are, um, I was going to say we're excelling in politics, but not sure Theresa May is our best example. But anyway, we'll smooth over that. It's not a politics show. Um, we're finding our voice. We are, we are excelling in different fields. And we've got much more equality in many arenas. Um, Again, I'm not going to be political and I'm not going to talk about what's happening in the USA at the moment with the abortion rights. But I definitely feel we we have stepped into our power to a certain extent. But the data is showing that actually there is increased anxiety, increased depression, um, higher intakes of people being admitted for eating disorders and an increase in self-harm. And I think... I don't know. It's a tricky one to address, but I think this really needs looking at. 
And it needs looking at because I believe that a lot of people, certainly a lot of women who come to me for clients, feel this incredible pressure to have it all, to have a successful career, to to bring up young children, to nurture their husband or their wife, you know, to be there and be a support, to show up for their aging parents, um, to be there for their friends and be the life and soul of the party when they go out. I mean, it's just... The list goes on and on and on. And I don't believe, and I'm going to put my head on the block here and say that I don't believe we can have it all. Now, there's a little caveat to that, but I think everything is in such fine balance that when you focus your attention on bringing something up, something higher, um, perhaps it's a big piece of work that you're working on. Perhaps it's, I don't know, you're you're renovating a house. Something always slips. And it's that constant need to keep all these balls in the air that you're juggling up that I believe is one of the things that really, really affects mental health. And it's really important that we have these mental health awareness weeks. It's so nice to see so many of you uh, on social media sharing stuff, sharing your own truth, um, spreading positive messages, telling people that, you know, it's okay not to be okay. And I really think it's important, actually really important that we keep this topic alive, that we constantly show others that we're there for each other. But most importantly, and this goes ties hand in hand with this, trying to keep all the balls in the air that you're juggling, is to ask yourself every day, am I okay? Because it's all very well and fine having this awareness week where some of us self-reflect or, you know, sit there and and journal a bit bit of mental health stuff. But it's really important to ask yourself every single day the question, am I okay? Because I think if you can get used to asking yourself that question every day, it highlights potential problems that might be about to happen. And I I jotted down this morning some of the reasons why we struggle. Obviously, my podcast is directed at women. And I'm going to say it again because I know I've got male listeners. This also applies to you. I'm just speaking very much from a female perspective on many topics. But, you know, a lot of it is totally relatable. Um, so going back to that, having it all, one of the reasons why we struggle is this kind of perfectionist superwoman culture. Um, and I don't hold social media to blame for everything that's going wrong (laughs) with our mental health, but setting yourself up as having to be this perfect example of a woman is both exhausting it's, it's physically exhausting, but more importantly, it's very mentally damaging. Those of you who follow on, me on Instagram will see that I posted a very honest series of Insta, Instagram stories, and I was talking about the fact that I have Botox. And I got loads of messages from people saying, oh, my God, well, one, I didn't know you had Botox. And two, thanks for being so honest about it. And one of the reasons I'm honest about it is because I, I I coach people in trying to find the truth that they're seeking. Uh, and I want to be transparent on my social media accounts. 
But actually, it's also to say that, you know, if I want to have something done, if I'm not happy about something or I feel something could improve within reason, um, I'll tackle it. And being honest and transparent about that, I think only seeks to serve other women and show them that actually we're all human. You know, I've got such strong frown lines that if I don't have my frown lines injected, I look permanently moody. I mean, I've got quite a bad resting bitch face anyway. That just makes it 100 times worse. And actually, when I'm concentrating, I really frown. So yeah, I just look permanently moody. Um, but to share things like that, and I, I also shared that um, I was going off to have all my body hair waxed off. Um, and that's not so much about being a perfectionist. That's more that I feel so much more comfortable without body hair. Uh, and I went to have the waxing done yesterday. It's still smarting a bit, if I'm honest, today. Um, I was going to go for a run and then decided that that probably wasn't advisable or hot yoga. So I'm going to do some some yoga at home uh, by myself today. But anyway, I digress. So we do things. I think there's a level at which you do things in order to be more comfortable and more confident. I think it, when it spirals out of control is when you feel social pressure to do it because. Because you need to appear 10 years younger, because you need to keep up with what your friends are doing, because some, you know, arsehole person has told you that you're looking tired, whatever. I do things for me. And I do things for me because I don't want to fall into the trap of perfectionist superwoman. And I've been in that trap before. It was much, much, much worse when I was dancing a lot. I felt a pressure to look a certain way to conform. I don't really feel that anymore. And I feel very, very comfortable in the skin that I'm in. But one of the reasons I think we're seeing this increase in mental health problems, particularly with women in their 40s, is because they feel like they have to get every job they're doing in life right. And I take my hat off to you, women who are working, who have kids, because I, I seriously don't know how you do it. But trying to get it all right, trying to get it all perfect, trying to... Um, have this shiny life that you present to the world, I believe just creates creates more mental distress. Then and the next thing that I think really doesn't help is this whole FOMO, this fear of missing out. And some of that is internal, some of that is external. But from speaking to other people quite recently, there is this big fear of missing out that is contributing to our declining mental health. So from things like having children or not having children and, and feeling like this pressure to have children, um, to things like feeling excluded, we'll be excluded from our circle if we don't say yes to things, particularly social events or, you know, um, meetups and stuff. We, we have this fear of missing out and it's a lot of it is based on our validation that others give us, whether we do or don't, whether we have or have not. And I see so many people 
rushing from thing to thing to thing, trying to keep up, trying to, you know, I've got to go and have tea with Sarah and I, but, you know, then I've got to rush from her to pick up the kids and I, you know, I can't let Sarah down. Um, you know, Sarah's charge of the school, the committee at school and, you know, she's a really good friend to have on side and, oh my, you know, what's the worst that can happen if you don't meet up with Sarah? You can meet up with Sarah another time. It It's this huge pressure and the fear that if we don't do these things, something hideous is going to happen. You know, in another podcast episode, I talked about mind reading and I think mind reading is a big indicator in anxiety. So we mind read what others think about us that may or may not be true. And when it comes to fear of missing out, sometimes you've just got to say no. Sometimes you've got to say, ask yourself the question, am I okay? And if the answer is no, by committing and rushing from thing to thing, because you've got a fear of missing out, really, really needs looking at. Putting some healthy boundaries in, asking yourself, does this appointment really serve me? Do I really need to be part of this Facebook group that's talking about, I don't know, breastfeeding or not? Or, you know, am I part of this inner circle that gets together and compares fitness notes? If I if I leave it, what will happen? Well, nothing. Honestly, honestly, nothing will happen. Pick the things that really, really serve you, that really serve your biggest mission in life. And don't worry about missing out on the other stuff that doesn't matter, that makes us anxious, that feels like we're only doing it to keep someone or something on side. Have a real, real look at that because it's a really, really important one. Another reason why we struggle is this fear word, and you know I love talking about fear. Um, and I'm not saying that fear is a bad thing. So we we do need to embrace fear, but we need to learn the difference between those fears that save us in life and the fears that hold us back. So being scared about, oh, let's pick a good example. So being scared about walking down a dark alley at two o'clock in the morning by yourself with no street lighting, uh, no one around, is a legitimate fear that could potentially save your life. Now, I'd love to be able to say to you that everyone should have the right to walk down a dark alley at two o'clock in the morning and be totally okay. Um, I think that's a legitimate fear that actually it's probably not very sensible. So that is a fear that could save us. But the fears that hold us back, I believe, tend to be purely emotional ones. And those fears are the fears that contribute to mental health problems. The fears, the fear of not being good enough, the fear that someone will laugh at us if we try, the fear that um, we are being judged by our peers, the fear that if we make a decision in life, our parents might not like it, the fear, and it, oh, it could be any fear. Um, fear of sexuality is one thing. Um, those kind of fears really don't serve us. And 
are the fears that need really, really examining. And that's what one of the things I do in coaching people. We examine those fears and, and we go on a little evidence fact-finding mission to see if they are actually true. It's one of my favorite pieces of work. They hold us back and they don't help us with good mental health. And one that I would really like to mention, and I haven't mentioned this before, but it's something that's become very, very apparent. And it's going to sound really odd, but invisibility is a big one. So one of the people I'm I'm coaching, and I've asked her permission to mention this, obviously I'm not going to mention her name, but she raised a really, really interesting um an interesting topic to work on in one of our coaching sessions. She said to me, Bridget, I, I, I don't know how to describe this further, but I feel invisible. So she's around the same age as me. And she said, no one tells you when you're in your 20s and 30s that when you get into your 40s, all of a sudden, people stop looking at you. And she said, so she works in, in the city. She's got a very good job. But she said, I now walk into a room and men don't really notice me. And the sad thing is that she'd noticed her husband also wasn't noticing her. And it is such an interesting one. And I actually believe it's not just people in their 40s or 50s or 60s. I think it happens to younger people as well. In such a transient world, in a world where everything is a quick fix, everything is changeable, everything is disposable. A lot of people now feel very invisible to the outside world. Now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting for one minute that you slap a load of makeup on, put your tarty high heels and a short skirt on and go out looking to be visible. That's not, that's not what the issue is. But that feeling that, particularly as you age, you feel more invisible is a really interesting one. Um, Someone, I, I commented on someone's Facebook, Facebook? No, actually it was an Instagram post. She'd been out on a run, young girl. And she said that these builders had wolf whistled at her and all her friends jumped on and started saying, uh, oh, you know, how dare they? And that's so disrespectful to women and blah, 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 blah. And I jumped in and I got slammed down for it. But I said, it's interesting how much more offended you would be if they stopped wolf whistling at you. I got a load of abuse for it, but I didn't care. Because actually, I think sometimes that invisibility, when you have been so visible, that invisibility is something that mentally really, really affects people. Um, I had a chat with with a, a friend of mine before I recorded this podcast episode, and we were talking about being lonely and I think loneliness and invisibility sometimes can go quite, they can go hand in hand. Um, yeah, I think to feel invisible is to feel like there's no external validation. It, to some women, it can feel like you don't matter. Um, I think it's a, it's a really, really tough one. So ask yourself, do I feel invisible? could come up with some interesting some interesting insight and actually to follow on from that i think that's one of the reasons why we are all so drawn to social media 
we're so drawn to Facebook and Instagram because it's a very, very, very clever way. It's genius from the social media platforms that actually, if you are feeling invisible, to go on and post a photo and to get instant validation for it for a split second makes you feel more visible. One of the biggest reasons I believe women particularly, well, I'm going to say women particularly, but actually to all my male duvet divas, uh, this might resonate with you too. A lot of mental health issues stem from self-doubt. And I remembered seeing this clip from a, from a movie and I, I was racking my brains for about 10 days trying to work out where I had um, seen this scenario that I'm about to mention. And uh, that's my lack of hormones, slightly menopausal brain coming into play. <laughs> but uh, it took me 10 days to work out what the film was. And actually, I've gone back and I've watched the section of it. And it's a beautiful example of self-doubt. And it's in the movie Pretty Woman. And it's where Julia Roberts is telling Richard Gere that nobody ever plans to be a hooker. And that she fell into the line of work because she didn't think much of herself. And when he comments that she's a special person with lots of potential and capability, do you know what she says? The bad stuff is easier to believe. And that just really resonated. That it was easier to foc- for her to focus on that self-doubt. It was easier for her to focus on the bad stuff. And even when someone was validating her, which Richard Gere did in the film, she comes up with, but the bad stuff is easier to believe. And that then got me thinking that it's no coincidence that we often find self-doubt in people who are, they're on a public stage. So athletes, models, fitness instructors, actors, our brain goes on high alert when the feedback that we're not getting from other people, the feedback that, that we want, our brain goes on high alert when that feedback from others isn't going well. So I'll just let that sit for a minute. And so many people, just to add to that, so many people that I know in the creative space, and I know lots of fitness instructors and presenters, I know lots of actors, dancers, um, they all battle with self-doubt. And most of the people that I'm either friends with or I've coached who are in those in that space professionally have had crippling depression and anxiety. And I'm going to make a book recommendation now. I'll put the link in the show notes to this, but it's a book called Women Who Think Too Much. And I think I got triggered about the film from reading that book now that I'm talking about it. But anyway, I'll put the link in the show notes because it's fascinating. So I'll carry on. Most people are motivated enough to believe the best in themselves. And then, so we're we're hardwired to look for the best in ourselves, but we always look to others for verification 
just to make sure. And that is in varying degrees, by the way. That that can be just a little bit. It can be a huge amount. It can be every single time we do something, we look for not just one person to, to verify it and to validate it. We look for many people. But what's interesting is that someone who is depressed will go out and seek negative feedback based on what they believe about themselves. And that is why for so many people, it's so hard to get out of that cycle of depression. Um, So what do we need to do about it? I think it starts with changing the narrative from that mind reading, um, that mind reading, that trying to second guess what other people are thinking about us and making negative assumptions based on what we have made up in our head that they say, to really, really focusing on courage. And courage is a word that keeps coming up for me. It keeps coming up for me. It comes up with the work that I do in my um, in my clients, with my clients, and it's work that I get them to do in themselves. Courage to use effort and dedication to achieve what really, really makes us happy. A courage not to be frightened of what others think and to learn that self-acceptance is what gives us massive strength. I'm going to repeat that again. I want you to learn that self-acceptance is what gives you strength. And going back to that perfectionist thing that I talked about at the beginning of the episode, that self-acceptance giving our strength is so essential in that world of increasing perfectionism, whether it's body size and shape, social comparison, this blame culture, trolling, whatever it is. It's, it's essential to build yourself an armor of self-acceptance leading to strength that will help you not fall into the trap of becoming a perfectionist, becoming this superwoman, superman perfectionist. You put your mental health first. You tell yourself that you are good enough every single day. Every single day. It's something you really have to practice. And it's something that I really, really struggled with the last time I had a very serious bout of depression. Because what I was frightened to do was to accept myself, accept my sexuality, accept my choices, accept the fact that I couldn't have children. I had to accept so much and really just be peaceful in myself about that. And it gave me incredible strength. And what really cemented that strength was to tell myself that I was good enough every day. And I would come up with reasons every single day why I was good enough. Um, for those of you who know me quite well, I, I joke on on Facebook sometimes about stuff that my customers say. So those of you that don't know me, I have an ice cream and chocolate company with my business partner, Carlo. And he is an older man. He, yeah, he's an older man. We've been in business together for a long time people automatically assume that he owns the business and I just work for him. Now, sometimes that that serves me really well, right? 
sometimes it just really irritates me. And I'll be completely honest, my ego takes over and I get a bit of internal rage about it because one of my big bugbears is judging book by cover. Um, and it's it's always a certain type of person who believes that Carlo owns the business and I'm just there working. Not that there would be anything wrong with me working in an ice cream parlor, but I think, God, all the blood, sweat and tears I've put into this business. Um, but actually, it says more about them that they automatically assume that than it does about how I feel about it. And the reason being that most people who assume that are older men, macho men, so macho, uh, potentially slightly narcissistic men, and women who have never worked or have worked and then decided not to work anymore. Most women in business never assume that, which is really interesting. So anyway, that was a little side note on that. Um, so I've talked about courage and my recommendations around courage. The next thing I would love you to do is to find your voice. Now really is a great time to start speaking up, to stop asking for permission to speak. Uh, I've been a lot braver with this on social media. I think I'm going to get even braver <laughs> now, now with my newfound courage and strength. But find your voice and let it out. Really, really important. People want to hear your unique perspective. Um, I got coached on that years ago, and it has stuck with me. There are a lot of people out there who are ready and waiting and listening to what you've got to say, and you don't need to seek permission to say it. If your circle don't like what you're saying and don't support you on it, they're not your people and they're not your circle. I really believe that. I have lost quite a few followers recently by speaking up, by mentioning my wife, by calling things out that I don't believe are right. And I lose people. And you know what? I'm really happy about that because what I'm doing is I'm building a core tribe of people who kind of want to listen to what I've got to say, I guess, who might. And I don't even mean that from an ego perspective. I mean that my message is kind of getting through to the right people. And those that don't want to listen to that message will fall by the wayside. And that is totally fine. But it really is time to stop asking for permission. Go out there and find your voice. And I'm going to leave you with something that I find really, really helpful. Uh, and that is to do an audit, a little mini audit of all the stuff today that's really weighing you down. And I do this a lot now. So whenever I find myself on a bit of a slippery slope, mood-wise, I do a little mini audit. It takes five minutes. And I just write out the stuff that's weighing me down. I pick one that is relevant, and I work on that. And the stuff that isn't relevant, I choose to let it go. I choose to move on. And I choose to focus on the stuff that makes me happy. And so I'm going to leave you with that recommendation. Choose to let go, move on, and choose happiness. And I'm not suggesting you have to walk around 24-7 being happy-clappy. You know, moods are important. 
ups and downs are important. But if this stuff is weighing you down, if this is stuff that is whirring around your head all day, every day, and causing you mental distress, unless you can do something about it, let it go, move on, and choose happiness. I would love to hear your feedback. You can leave me a voicemail on the Anchor app. You can send me an Instagram message or a Facebook message. All the stuff is in the show notes. And until next time, please, For we've got about, I don't know, a couple of hours left of today. If you're listening to this right now, go outside and put your face in the sunshine. Lots of love, everyone, and I'll speak to you soon.